And Rich, as we talked about... This is uh, Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going what's for Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. It's a special double ear infection version. (laughs) Thanks, Rich France, for the help over the weekend to get some things caught up. Finally starting to feel better, so it's time to see what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Big weekend over in Illinois as the, uh, the, the, our, what do you call it, the Windy State? I don't know, the Illini to our west. Man, they had a big weekend. Brandon Shepard kicked things off Wednesday afternoon with a late model win at Spoon River before Dennis Herb Jr., the classic two-person team, found victory lane at Lincoln on Thursday. Then Farmer City and Fairbury Speedway wrapped things up Friday and Saturday. Tyler Herb with an epic last corner, last straightaway, last feet pass to pick up the win on Friday. If you haven't seen the highlight reel, go find it. What a show. And then Bobby Pierce laid it to him at Fairbury on Saturday as well. Illinois Speed Weeks, what a good show. Going to have to put it on the calendar of things to catch. NASCAR in action over the weekend as well at Kansas Speedway. Kurt Busch, how about the Wiley veteran going back to victory lane? He outduels the former champion Kyle Larson. And then in the other division, Zane Smith put it in victory lane. And Daniel Sanchez picked up the win with the Arkham Menard Series. And Rich, I want to get your thoughts on this. Some interesting news coming out of Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Officials announced this weekend that the Outlaw Super Late Models will no longer have a spot on the schedule for the 2022 season. The statement reads in part, after several discussions with staff, other tracks, and drivers, we feel this is the best decision for the remaining events in 2022. We need more than five, six, or seven cars to have quality racing. This was not an easy decision, and we hope our fans and racers will understand the change in the schedule. That's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France does join me. And, Rich, I want your thoughts on that last Motor City Minute item. As we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Springport had a pretty disappointing car count for super late models, uh, outlaw super late models. Is this just a case of too many tracks trying to run a division that's already struggling? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's now the the series that are paying good money. Um, there's more of them out there now. Um, you know, before last year, now now this year, you know, the, the sophomore season for Corrigan Oil Speedway, um, you know, running the northside-towing.net Big 8 series, um, big events at Kalamazoo. The Outlaws are back at Berlin this year. Um, you know, and you got a, a full complement of Outlaws on a weekly basis at Flat Rock. I just think you're, uh, you know, with, with the extra series, I think you're running out of cars and in this economy these days, you know, maybe some of the guys, you know, just don't want to run two or three nights a week or can't um, for that matter. So, 
and it and I've always been a proponent of if you have any division, this is not super uh, not outlaw super late models. If you have any division that's five or six cars, you need to reconsider. That's my opinion yeah. on that. It always has been. Well, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show tonight, as you can hear, I'm still dealing with the side effects of the double ear infection that struck on Thursday. Was able to announce on Friday somehow. It was not pretty. And, uh, Rich, uh, I was able to call on you for uh, for the duties on Saturday and Sunday. I really want to say thank you so much uh, for your help to get us through because uh, I think this is only the second time in my eight years behind the microphone that I've had to call off uh, due to being sick. So uh, not not fun, but I appreciate your help. Well, when I when I saw you Friday night, Zach, I said um, I I may need to change. Friday night, I knew I might have to change my plans <laughs> uh, for at least Saturday, and then that didn't work out. We'll get in we'll get into all that, but uh, but no, I finally got some sleep this weekend on Sunday night. That's how long it took me to get some rest because it was a, a Long, long weekend. Well, we're going to talk about all of it kind of in reverse order. And, Rich, we'll start with you. Birch Run Speedway was your home for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Zach, the 2020 season, 2022 season finally got rolling this weekend at Birch Run, uh, although Mother Nature still had her hand in it. Uh, the headliner was round one of the Van Dorn Racing Development Birch Run Speedway Triple Crown for the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour. On Saturday, just as qualifying was about to get underway, the rain set in, and uh, as the rain subsided, it rained for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, but as the rain subsided, so did the temperatures, which made track drying virtually impossible. So the event was moved to the rain date, which was Sunday afternoon, uh, which ended up being a beautiful day for racing. Evan Schottko kicked off the afternoon, taking fast qualifier honors. Uh, an invert of eight was determined, making for some great racing throughout the field. Albert Francis would lead the field to green, uh, and Francis was strong early in the event, leading the first 65 laps. As several drivers would jockey within the top five throughout the first half of the race, Kyle Crump would jump to the high side, working around Shotco and Francis to take the lead on lap 65. Crump would build a nice lead, while the battle behind him raged for the runner-up spot between Shotco and Dakota Stroop. Uh, a late caution would make things interesting, with six laps remaining, which I'm sure Kyle Crump did not want to see. Uh, but it was all Crump on the restart, holding off Shotko, who finally uh, finally got the better of the Stroop battle. Tour rookie Nick Egan and Francis would complete the top five. And Zach, now Kyle Crump has a decision to make for round two of the Triple Crown in July. Will he start from the tail for a chance at a $7,000 bonus if he can win that race? I know the answer, but what do you think? Oh, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer. He's going right to the tail. Yeah, I think he, he, he told me, he says, if I have a chance at either one of those, we are going to the tail, You know, no and matter I, what. I think that Birch Run is a racy enough track, Rich. Uh, you know, they usually have multiple grooves there. Uh, the track surface uh, promotes a little bit of tire fall off and drivers making mistakes. I think a driver like Kyle Crump and... Uh, you know, there's usually just a full field. What I mean by that is you know that um, you don't have to worry about having the perfect qualifying setup, especially if you're Kyle Crump and you know you're going to start trunk. You can spend the entire day perfecting your race setup. Uh, that might actually take a little pressure off him the next time they show up at Birch Run to know we're starting at the trunk. We are going to take all this time to make sure our car is perfect for that 100 laps. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think the car is going to be the problem, and I surely don't think the driver is going to be the problem. I think the problem he's going to have 
is trunk and it depends on how many cars are in the field that day. That's right. Because um, he's going to have to, he's not going to be able to wait. He has to go from the green flag and he, he can't sit there and take his time over 100 laps. Um, and he, and then when he gets to the front, he has to have something left. Right. And that is going to be hard to do over a hundred laps at Bertrand. But uh, I can't wait till July. I might have to make an appointment for that one. <laughs> yeah, that should be a good one. Hey, let's talk about some other pavement racing over the weekend. A strong field of Outlaw Super Late Models took part in the season opener for Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Late Model Series as they invaded Berlin Raceway Saturday night. Brian Bergaker held off a very determined Tyler Rorig to win the 60-lap event. The opening round of the Reveal the Hammer saw a strong field. 20 competitors took to the track to honor Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame member Ralph Baker. The program began in the early evening. Tyler Rorig edged out Stephen Needles for the All-Star Performance Quick Time Award. An invert of eight had Adam Terry and Trevor Berry lead the field to green. Terry would take the early lead, but by lap 10, Bergaker worked his way into the top spot. By lap 40, Tyler Rorig would move his number 24 machine into second and was looking to challenge the 12 of Bergaker. A very late caution helped the Rorig cause, but Bergaker would stay strong out front and take the win. Barry, Mike Root, and Phil Bozell completed the top five. Next up for Reveal the Hammer, Saturday, June 18th, down at Anderson Speedway for the CB Fabricating Classic. And Zach, another action around Michigan this weekend. Uh, on the pavement, Eric Lee would go back-to-back -back with his Outlaw Super Late Model win at Flat Rock Speedway on Saturday. And just to let you know, Schrader finished fourth in his first Outlaw Super Late Model race at Flat Rock. So pretty good job by Ken Schrader. Nice. Uh, Ron Allen would collect his career win number 138 in street stock action. So we had to honor that uh, at Flat Rock as well. At Corrigan Oil Speedway, Justin Clorty. Uh, would grab the NorthsideTowing.net Big 8 Super Late Model Series. Uh, after he had problems with his car, jumped in another another Dylan Drake, I think. He jumped in his car uh, and in the 81 machine and won in that. So congratulations to Justin. And Dylan Stovall would take home honors in the Pro Late Models at Corrigan Oil. In action for the Midwest Modified Tour, Jeff Gannis took the win Friday at Kalamazoo. And Blake Rowe would park it in Victory Lane on Saturday at Berlin. Uh, Rowe would also capture the Thunder Modified opener at Birch Run on Friday. And David, David McManus took the, uh, took the Modified win at Birch Run on Sunday afternoon. Greg Stilwell Jr. would take home the late model sportsman win at Toledo on opening day on Sunday. Uh, and, Zach, there was some other action from around the region where we couldn't just be there either. I know. It's uh, getting to the, be that time of year where there's just not enough of us, and it doesn't help when I'm down for the count either. Dirt Late Models, Donamar Coolier picked up the opening night late model win on Friday at Tri-City Motor Speedway. Ryan Vanderveen took the win at Winston on Friday. Then it was T-Stem. Travis Stemler picks up win number three Saturday at Thunderbird Raceway. For IMCA Modifieds, Mitchell Hunt picked up the weekend sweep Friday at I-96. What a race that was, by the way. They put a bounty on A.J. Ward, and then they gave A.J. a little incentive. Uh, what was it, $200 or $500 extra for him to start at the rear? Uh, he took the incentive, finished third, Rich. He, if he'd had one more caution, I think he may have got up there and snookered him. Uh, Saturday at Thunderbird and IMC Modifieds, Colin Thurlby picks up the win. Or, I'm sorry, uh, the, the weekend sweep went to Mitchell Hunt. Saturday at Thunderbird was win number two. Then Colin Thurlby picked up the win at Tri-City. Chad May found Modified Victory Lane Friday at Winston. And I do want to say uh, a shout-out to Logan Beckwith, the uh, the younger 
of who used to host this show. Uh, the he fourth. Picked, that's right, the <laughs> fourth. He picked up his first ever modified win at Butler on Saturday, and the cool part about it was he was driving his dad's car uh, when he did so. He said that's the first time that he'd ever actually raced Logan, his dad's car. He'd hot-lapped it a couple of times, but he raced it and parked it in victory lane. So nice job. And then, Rich, the reason we couldn't be at any of those things was we got to witness a pretty cool sprint car doubleheader on Friday night. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, Zach Monrovia, Indiana's Justin Peck put on a show Friday night uh, in I-96 Speedway's annual Mace Thomas Classic, securing his first Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions victory of the 2022 season. And in doing so, in dramatic fashion, Peck was forced to battle through back-to-back green-white checker restarts with defending series champion Tyler Courtney. Uh, Peck withstood the pressures, earning an $8,500 payday in the process while locking down a sixth career all-star victory. Uh, impressive enough, all of six, all of Peck's uh, all-star triumphs occurred, Zach, at different facilities. And with his I-96 win being a first ever in the state of Michigan. So that was pretty cool. And then it was on the Great Lakes Super Sprint's turn in their 25-lap $3,000 to win feature event and Zach uh, you had the front row seat for that one yeah this was pretty cool man we had what over 30 cars uh, attempt to make the show on Friday at I-96 Speedway of course TC Power Sports putting up the extra money $3,000 on the line uh, we actually had to run two flights of qualifying because there were so many cars uh, it ends up being Dylan Westbrook who sets fast time overall on the day and then we break it down to heat races Rich Uh, Some really good races as well. Uh, Dylan Westbrook, of course, started in the fourth spot in heat race number one, drove his way to the front, got the win. Heat race number two, Ryan Rule picks up the win there. Then heat race number three, Danny Sams. And finally, uh, for heat race number four, uh, Phil Gressman grabs the win there. But the one driver we don't mention is the driver that ends up schnookering everybody as we get things started for 25 laps. Around I-96 Speedway, Phil Gressman leads the field to green alongside Ryan Rule. And right from the drop of the green flag, it looked like maybe Gressman would have something for the field early in this race. That would that would change, though. The outside line of turn number two started to become slick. There was a little bit of rubber laid down. Drivers were having a hard time gathering the momentum that they needed there. And then we started seeing the field shake up. Greg Dahlman one of the drivers working his way along the bottom, and it was like circa 2021 Thunderbird Raceway. You look up and you say to yourself, where did this guy come from? Greg Dahlman uses the bottom of the racetrack to track down then-leader Max Stambaugh, who's ripping the lip in classic Stambaugh style. And all of a sudden, coming off turn number four, Dahlman found just enough moisture to take the lead and go to work. And then, of course, in typical dramatic fashion, We get a caution with just about five laps to go. Greg Dahlman has the lead at the time of the caution. Green flag flies. Dahlman back to work on the bottom of the racetrack and turns one and two. But Stamball ripping the lip, takes the lead down the backstretch and has it when they come off a four. You start to wonder, is this going to be the end of the night? Greg Dahlman says no. The Bulldog puts it back on the bottom, continues to work. Rockets off turn number two. Pulls back alongside Stambaugh. The two race side by side. White flag in the air. Still anybody's race wheel to wheel. And Rich, you saw it as well as I did. Coming off turn number four, Stambaugh jumps the cushion coming to the checker. I think Dahlman would have got him, but Stambaugh was making it interesting. He spins 
at the top of turn number four. Coming to the checker, the race is official. Dahlman gets the win, improves eight spots on the night. Dylan Westbrook will get credit for second, Phil Gressman third. How about Jared Horseman, by the way? Your Hoosier Racing Tire hard charger on the night, up 12 spots, coming from 16th to finish fourth. And then Danny Sams rounds out the top five. Unfortunately for Stambaugh, who spun coming to the checker, he'll take the final lead lap spot in 13th. So what a race. What a show. Who'd ever thought somebody would win on the bottom at I-96 Speedway? But I guess if anybody could do it, it's Greg Dahlman. Yeah, Zach, you know, he had a rough start to the season um, up at Crystal. And if I was going to pick where he would get his first win of 2022, I don't know if I would have picked I-96. But, boy, he was awfully strong. Uh, makes his home in Bellevue, Michigan. Greg Dahlman, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, how's it going, Rich? Zach? Man, how's it going? But now let's go back to Friday night because I don't – I know you had a rough start to the season and you had to darn, darn near rebuild that car on the fly at Crystal. Um, but, man, that thing looked awfully good on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. It's a different uh, car from what it was at Crystal, I'll tell you that. But uh, – yeah, it was, it was a we we had her tuned in pretty good. How did you and you and Max had a heck of a battle back and forth those last ten laps? You know, um, Max would sometimes get get a little too aggressive up on that cushion, and you just you committed to the bottom and you stayed there. Was that your plan the whole race? Yeah, yeah, we set it up for the bottom because I I the the lip looked a little treacherous. I watched the All Star race and. Uh, three and four was really getting close to that, or four was getting real close to that wall up there. And I, and, uh, when me and Max were going back and forth, he was struggling coming off a of four up there. And, and I'm just not a kind of rip the lip kind of guy, you know, I'm the bottom feeder and, and I leave that, uh, rip the lip to them young guys. You know, I, uh, I give you a hard time about that all the time, about how you <clears throat> you like to find yourself along the bottom. And um, you know what, though? Here more lately in, in, in the tracks that we race at, that seems to be working out pretty well for you. Uh, you look at Crystal, you, you moved up a lot of spots at that race in the feature. Uh, you know, you look at what you did at I-96. That can happen. Turn 2 has been known to get a streak in it where uh, it's really hard to get off on the top. And then, as you mentioned, Turn 4 will get really close to the wall. Um, has that been your MO for a long time, or is that something you found as you've gotten older that you'd just prefer to run down at the bottom? What, what is it about the bottom that's so uh, natural for you? The shortest way around makes that. I look at it like that. and I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to get up there and, and you know, rip the left there and qualify to get, you know, get up in position. But uh, usually a main time, I mean, it's not always like that at 96. Like I said, it's it was fortunate that the All-Stars pushed the cushion up, you know, the long way around up there. But, uh, I mean, I, I prefer the bottom a little bit. I mean, them, like I said, we can pick them off pretty good. We usually have good luck down there. I mean, there's some nights that bites us too. I mean, we're, we, you know, we ain't no good. Like we looked at last year's opener, we were 12th place. So, and we were on the bottom. It was up on the top that night. So it, it can, it can bite you. I want to talk about how this played out for you. Uh, so we got 25 laps. You come from, is it ninth? Is that where you started was ninth? Yeah. Yeah, so you you come from ninth, uh, so you get you start on the inside line, which is good for you. Um, we 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 get the race going finally. A couple of cautions mixed in there may have helped you out uh, to have a couple of slowdowns. 
and then you sneak through, you take the lead from Max, and, man, Max goes to work, right? He's putting it on, trying, trying to get, you know, stay with you or get back around you on the top, and then you get that caution with just a handful of laps to go. Did you think your race was had? Uh, I, I knew he was coming. I knew he, he was – he was ripping the lip hard. Me and him, were, we're buddies, and you know, and we race each other pretty hard. And and you know, and I knew he was gonna. Once I got by him during the race, that he he'd pick it up another pace, and he did. I kept hearing him back there, buzzing the top right shoulder, and uh, you know, you could definitely he was he was pushing it, and uh, and then when he got around me there on the restart there, well, we missed our mark, and uh, he got us, and I I pretty much kind of settled in and, and, and regrouped and, and come back after him. I was, I would be honestly shocked myself that we, you know, we ran back up on him. Greg, I was a little concerned earlier in the race. I was watching Dylan Westbrook work his way up through the field as well, like everybody would be, right? So, and he was really working his way hard, but he got caught up on the top of turn four a couple of times. And when he was running well, it seemed like you were working through the lap traffic a little better, and he and he still couldn't quite get to you. I think that was a big key point in the race, not just how how the battle with Max worked out. Yeah, the lap traffic. I, I was I actually was pretty aggressive. I, uh, you know, going through the lap traffic, we were, and and I think that did help us. I mean, I know Dylan was back there, and and uh, you know Max and and. Danny Sams, I, I figured those guys were going to come later, you know, in the, in the late in the race because maybe the bottom was going to start going away a little bit. But, I mean, it, 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 it did for a couple laps, and it seemed like it come back. It was an interesting moment in lap traffic, too. Um, and I think it was a it may have been a turning point in the race. In lap traffic, Max really put the squeeze on you going into three. And I saw this coming, and I said, either Greg's going to have to get on the binders or these two are going to touch Hoosier racing tires, and it could be a big deal going into three. Do you remember that moment and and the decision to back out and let Max get the run into three? Yeah, yeah. Driving it in, I knew he would he would go off the bottom. He couldn't he couldn't stick it right close to the bottom like we were. So I was going to let him go and then just drive underneath him is what what the plan was there. I I heard him, you know, and I figured okay, you're seeing him right there in front of us. And uh, I knew he was going to go in deeper than what we were going to. So, yeah, uh, that was kind of a, I like, back off and, you know, and let him do his thing and then see how it all played out. You talk about the fact that you and Max are friends, and I mentioned that in the broadcast as well, that you guys, uh, you know, you, you, you swap setups or whatever, and you, and you talk about setups, and you guys are friends back in the pits, but... What does that mean on the racetrack? Uh, we often joke about it up in the booth about how you know you can be friends <clears throat> in the pits or, or off off grounds, but once you put the helmet on, does it really matter? And I wonder about that, knowing who you're racing against, knowing that if he puts the squeeze on in three, or if you try to pull a slide job, which wasn't the case for you on Friday night, but if he tries to cross you up or anything like that, the confidence in who you're racing against, what does that mean, especially in these sprint cars? the friendship goes away and 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 uh, as far as that uh crossing each other up and stuff and it's racing you know i mean everybody there's a lot of friends out there through this group and throughout the nation sprint car racing people slide i mean we were just racing we're, we're we all want to win that's our main goal and 
we do what we got to do to do it. And sometimes it, you, you touch and it might be a racing deal, but you know, nobody's out there. I don't think, I mean, way these expenses in this group right here, you know, I don't think anybody's out there taking each other out, sliding, doing dirty stuff too much. I mean, you know, it happens, I mean, but it's a racing deal, but I mean, as far as the friendship, it stays in the pits once the, once the green flag goes. Greg, I got to tell you throughout the summer, every summer, I interview a lot of people in victory lane. I'm taking a lot of pictures for social media. Not often do I get to shake the hand of the winner and all I get is a bulldog bear hug. Uh, how happy were you uh, on Friday night? Because it sure seemed like uh, that meant a whole lot to you. Yeah, it, it's been with our, our, our team. I mean, you know, coming back, like I said, we started off the season terrible at Crystal and flipping and, and then had a decent run down at Wayne County. And then to, to capitalize it, I, I know you six there, it was uh, – it meant a lot because we struggled there. We we struggle a lot there. I mean we, I mean we're competitive, but we're usually not a you know competitive enough to win. And to actually pick one off there, it it was huge, especially this early in the in the year. Was there a point in the race where you realized that there was a shot that you had a shot at that one? Well. You you do you you do think that way, but uh, I mean, like I said, when we got that late yellow, New Max was right there. Um, you know, anything could happen. You you really don't think about it too much. You you just you lock you know a concentration level and you go back at it. And and like I said, once he got around us, I wasn't. I mean, be honest, with you, I wasn't sure I could really back in. I was just kind of almost went into defense mode and try to run just you know run second. And because he did gap us there at one time quite a bit. And I thought, well, okay, well, he's, he's gone now, you know, and then all of a sudden we started picking him back off and it was, you know, and then that gets your adrenaline back rolling again. I asked you this in victory lane and, and this is just what it looked like from up top, but turn two on the bottom was so much better than the top of turn two. Was that, well, and you mentioned about turn four being so close to the wall, but I felt like Max did a good job finding some consistency there. But, excuse me, the way that you got such a run off of turn two, there were a couple of times I just, it looked like you were shot out of a cannon. Yeah, turn, turn two was good for us. I mean, we went into one and two, we could arc it out pretty good, and, and we could actually hold our own right there. Three and four just seemed like we had to shut it way down, and that's when I you could hear Max and, and whoever else was, you know, if he – Dylan was right there or not, but you could hear those cars just driving in on the top on you. And you just, like you said, you had to shut three and four down so much. That was the, I wasn't sure if that was going to hold up too much. Greg, I know a lot of fans, you know, when they go to a, a dirt track and see sprint cars, they're thinking sideways and wings, you know, wings holding the car on the ground. And you, it seemed, it seemed to me, the more I learn about watching you guys, um, you try to keep that car as straight as possible, and that's the way you like it, and that's how it's fast. Well, when you're on the bottom, I mean, it, everything's it's a momentum thing, just like on top. I mean, them guys are up there, but they're carrying so much more speed. You know, they're taking the longer way around. And and basically on the bottom, you just got to keep the car rolling and keep it straight, keep it rolling. You know, you can't pinch it off and, and scrub speed off because then you lose yourself over. But, I mean, that's – what you try to do is just try to keep her straight as possible and do your, uh, you know, shoot down the straightaways. 
And that was one thing too, Rich, that I was going to mention is is I've never seen somebody intentionally. Well, I can't say that non-wing Jay Steinbach Tri City Motor Speedway shutting the car down right along the bottom, intentionally turning the wheel left like he's driving a pavement street stock. And that's what Greg Dahlman looked like on Friday night at I-96. He'd go into turn three, apply brake, turn the wheel to the left, and turn the wheel to the left again in the center to stay, you know, he had to correct a little bit to stay away from the tractor tire and then rock it off the corner. It was just, it was so, such a different way to see a sprint car driven, but man, it worked out for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was something else. I mean, like I said, when we were going, coming through the pack and it was pretty exciting. I mean, adrenaline was flying and you were just, I couldn't believe it really, be honestly, especially at I-96, you know, that's a fast place. Usually, you know, the bottom doesn't, doesn't win there. Yeah, Greg. And what I think is funny is that check isn't going to say where you won that race at, you know, that. <laughs> 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 no, 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 not at all, but we all know. I got to ask you, uh, as we look ahead, Hartford and Crystal, the next two events uh, on the Great Lakes Super Sprint Series calendar next Friday and Saturday, not this coming, but the next ones. Um, I guess first, Hartford, what a tricky racetrack. Turn three really has been, uh, I don't want to call it a problem, but it's been an equalizer for for a lot of folks since they redid that racetrack. Tell me about Hartford. Hartford, it's, like it's unique. Like you said, since they shortened it down there, cut the three and four. Three and four is definitely tricky. I mean, there's nights that you can run the run the inside. There's nights I seen Chase Ridenour buried in and run run the top all the way. You know, through three and four. I mean, it's. And then I've seen guys run the middle and, and have great success. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a crapshoot, basically. You know, I, I don't. We'll see how the track is. How hard is it to get a handle on a track like Hartford over on the west side of the state? Very sandy. Uh, you know, I think that's <clears throat> a lot of the racetracks in Michigan have quite a bit of sand to them. I think Hartford more so than most. Um, the Dibbles do a nice job preparing a, a, a racy surface, nonetheless. How hard is it to get a handle on that track? I mean, I grew up here in Michigan. I, mean, I think the whole state's kind of similar. I mean, um, like I said, Tim does a good job down there. I mean, there's nights where he's he, he's got a lock down. He's got the track. There's nights where he can't get enough water into it. So, I mean, then then it's one of those crapshoot nights where, you know, someone could get it working. They, they uh, succeed to win. And then talk to me about going back to Crystal. You know, obviously, you've wrecked a lot of race cars in your time, but uh, <laughs> excuse me, to have it happen the way it did at Crystal, uh, with it being qualifying and then having everybody rebuild the car, start at the back, and and move your way back through. Uh, you've been racing at Crystal for a lot of years. Uh, talk about going back, and uh, I'm sure you're expecting better results the next time there. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get back there with a with a straight car. I mean, we had a straight car for a minute. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot better and for us anyways and, and give us a fair shot you know shot at things and and uh, I I like Crystal you know we've won there a few times and and it's it's racy you know there's nights where you can dice back and forth I mean and then there's other nights where you know what happens the old rubber sticks to us and and uh, we follow the leader but 
I mean, most of the time we can race there though. That's, that's a good, good little joint. Greg, when you have something happen, like what happened at Crystal a few weeks ago, does it, and you're, and you're going back there so soon, do you remember that and, and, and try to avoid that? Or you kind of put that out of your mind and, and, and start scratch? already out of my mind, Rich. It was out of my mind when we took the green for the, the, the heat race there. We got it back, you know, when we got to put it back together, it was already out of my mind then. So no, no, uh, no flashbacks, no nothing like that. We just uh, a new day. One last thing, Greg, and then we'll let you go. Uh, I couldn't help but notice how many people were in victory lane Friday night at I-96. Uh, you know, a lot of times um, I see you and, and your sons or just your one son or, or, you know, sometimes you and your wife. Man, you had an entire uh, party deck down in victory lane on Friday. Uh, who all was there? Was that like a hometown win for you or what was going on? Yeah, yeah, that was our hometown win. That was our friends and family that do support us and come out and, you know, to I-96 because it's close to them. And, yeah, it was a it was quite a big turnout. So, it, like I said, it, that win was special to us. And not but to, for the fans and friends, you know. I knew they were pretty happy, Greg, because I have never heard that kind of vocabulary in a victory lane in a very, very long time. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> good thing the, the the microphone was off when some of that was said. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew where to point the microphone, and it wasn't toward the side, that's for sure. Greg, man, congratulations. Uh, what an exciting race it was to watch between you and Max, and uh, looking forward to getting back after it again at Hartford coming up in uh, just about a week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, after a highly successful edition last month, it is time once again for Gary Did You Know and Rich France. We'll see if we can get another round of winners this go. Yeah, can, you, you think we can go two months in a row with winners? I don't. I, I, I previewed these questions that Gary sent to me, and um, these, I think, are, even though he had fun with them, I think they're still going to be a little tough, but we'll see. Gary Lindahl, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hi, Rich. How you doing? Hi, Zach. Yeah, I'm going to start out, Gary. I apologize. I want to apologize for this weekend. I got called out late. Uh, <laughs> my buddy, my partner here on, on on Horsepower Happenings, just couldn't make it past Friday night. He almost didn't make it through Friday no, night. No, it was tough. It was and, tough. And uh, and I got called in from uh, pulled up like he said from AAA to the pros uh, to do some work <laughs> this weekend. So thanks for that's covering. A, yeah, there, thank you, yeah, Gary. there you go. But that's no that's no problem. We figured it out. Appreciate I can say, that. you know me, and actually, Toledo, I announced from down below the whole show. I went up and turned one and announced the heat races because I'd never been up there. And then down on the main straightaway, I announced the features and the figure eights. So, huh. had fun with the crowd. Good deal. Well, that's cool. So, well, I, I will tell you, you get me back this Friday or Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, I don't that's think cool. we have any. I don't think we have any conflicts this week. <laughs> well, that's great. Gary, did you right. uh, did you catch? I want to real quick. Did you catch last week that we uh, you know we mentioned at the top here that we had a couple of winners? Uh, I want to ask you about that. Finally, we got some folks that have, have put all the pieces together. Isn't that amazing? After thirteen months, <laughs> it only took a, <laughs> only took a little over a year. Yeah, you know that one guy though. I understand Marty Bloom was one of them. He's he's pretty knowledgeable on a lot of that stuff. So yeah, that's true. All right, Rich, let's get I've into got- this month's month's quiz. All right, Gary, question number one. It's all you, sir. Okay, question number one. In quiz 14, what was Felix Brooks' favorite 
flat rock number. This one's out of I my don't league. Know. <laughs> I don't know if I was born. I don't know. I <laughs> uh, trust me, I don't think you were. But you said Uh-oh. we needed to toughen them up a little bit, so there we go. Wow. Well, thank you for that one. So what was Felix Brooks' flat rock number? That was question number one. Okay. Yes. Uh, question number two, Gary. You could say this racing family in Indiana will always have a road to heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and these last three are play on words, so just to let you know. All right. Somebody might get that one. Somebody may yeah, get that one. Yeah, I would one. think so. I think somebody would... You know, because that's a just pretty prominent family. Yeah, just think about it for a minute, and, and I, th- yeah. I think somebody will come up with that one. I would think so. All right, Gary, question number three. I like this one, too. Yeah. Yes. You could say this driver was all about craft beer. I do like that one. <laughs> and he do. was really good. He I was really like good. Good shoe. I'm afraid to ask for any hints because I don't want to even give it away. Yeah, I know. Once you start down that road, you might accidentally give it out. Right. Well, exactly. you know what? And actually, if I give you any more hints on that, I probably would give it away. So okay, gonna, we'll, they're going to have to figure it out on their own. Well, no, we I, we can give a hit. We can give one hit, right? If it's you, not Dennis Kraft. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that is true. All right. So there's your hint without giving it away. <laughs> All right, Gary, yeah. question number four. And uh, remember, this is a, also a play on words. This driver was a rival to Harold McGilton and a real hot dog in his day. <laughs> <laughs> How was that, boy? <laughs> uh, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. So, you know, I like that. And I understand you're going to have Blake Rowe on. I just got to throw that in there because, man, he, he, he can win anywhere, can he? I'm telling you, and I'm just a little jealous. Uh, you're going to get to see him in action on Sunday. I've got some commitments. I won't be able to make it down there, but um, we, oh, under- man. we understand he's going to make the trip. You know, you know that's awesome because he, uh, he won last year and one of the first times he'd been in a, a stock car there. He's run the Modified before there. Yeah, man. Well, cool, Gary. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Nice job with that. And uh, uh, we're looking forward to seeing if we can get another round of winners. All right, man. Hope you feel better. Appreciate See it. See you this weekend, Rich. You got it, Gary. Thank you very much. I know. I'll bring the beer. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, Not Gary. Not Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Toledo. We'll just go to the bar. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it, sir. All Have right. a good weekend. See you guys. Yep. See ya. See ya. Oh, Gary Lindahl with Gary Did You Know This Week. You can look for the graphic on our Facebook page uh, and uh, comment on there. Give your give us your answers. And, Rich, uh, the, if everybody gets if, – if, not everybody. If somebody gets all the questions right, uh, there'll be uh, a chance for them to win, take something home. Man, Gary was – when we started this a little over a year ago, he was putting some tough questions yeah, he up was. there. He's starting to have some fun with us now, I think. I think so, too. I think too. he's really getting used to it because some of these questions now – in the, in the last few months are really fun. So, uh, yeah, everybody take a shot at it. Uh, does, just read, read the post, type them in the bottom. Um, the only chance you got to win. And Brad Bergevin and Marty Bloom, hopefully if I see them at Flat Rock, they'll know this. Uh, they, get a, they get a prize uh, if they get them all. And you don't get a prize if you only answer two or three of them correctly. You got to get them all. That's right. Gary, did you know uh, you can find it, what is it, the second Monday? Heck, I don't even know what our schedule. Third Monday of the month. That's right. Third Monday of the month, Gary, did you know, here on Horsepower Happenings. 
Well, a big weekend of racing for our next guest on Horsepower Happenings, Rich France. He went from one side of the state to the other and uh, ended up cashing in on it. Tell us who we're talking to. Yes, that Modifieds had a lot of options this weekend, didn't they? It turned out if you wanted to take advantage of them. That doesn't happen very often in a weekend. But on Friday, he went to Birch Run, picked up the win there in their Thunder Series, and then went over to Berlin and capped it off on Saturday night. Uh, we talked to him back in September after his Glass City 200 win. Blake Rowe, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, let's let's start with, I guess we'll just start with Friday, right? Um Pretty nice night out. Uh, the Thunder Series, the new Thunder Series they're having at Birch Run. Jeff Parrish has uh, created that thing, and uh, it, it was kind of like to your liking on Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, we decided we'd uh, drag the Modified up there Friday night. We really thought about going and doing the Kalamazoo show, but uh, Birch Run's pretty close to home for us, and uh, you know the, the little Thunder uh, Series deal they're doing up there is paying all pretty sweet and um you know we just decided we'd go support that um we're not going to be able to commit to the full mod uh, midwest modified tour schedule anyways so you know like you said there's a lot of good racing to do this weekend and it, and it left us to pick and choose so um we chose to do that and it, and it worked out really good for us i mean it was the first time we had the modified on the track this year after a full rebuild on it and, you know we got plenty of practice up there which was good for us and uh you know it all kind of all kind of worked out when you're able to shake it down like that on friday and still come away with the win um, pretty, pretty good. Feeling pretty good about going into Saturday at Berlin then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, the car was really good, uh, Friday night. I mean, we, we got a couple things we need to get better, um, about for, uh, you know, the future Bertrand shows they got, uh, the downright fifties early June as well. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of really good paying shows up there this summer. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a pretty tough crowd, but yeah, I mean, to, to come out of the box like that, um, on a fresh rebuild is a pretty good feeling. Talk to me about how the show went at Birch Run. Break it down for me. Um, you, you know, have a pretty good look, and then you have a big pause in the action during this race. Gives you some time to sit there and kind of think about yourself. And uh, at this point, you don't have the race locked up yet. Tell me about this run. No, yeah. So they, uh, I guess, like maybe even back up a little more than that. They, uh, they do like a redraw deal. So fast time pulls up. I guess you'd call it like an invert window chip. Um, and I think they pulled a 12 and <clears throat> uh, every car inside of that, the top 12 would, would draw for their start spot. And we got pretty lucky and drew the ones. I mean, that was definitely to our favor. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, kind of rode for the first like 30, 30 laps or so. And I, uh, somebody had broke a motor pretty bad down into one. It took, took them a pretty substantial amount of time. There was just a ton of oil on the track to get it cleaned up. So, um, yeah, I mean, like complete reset and left us with, you know, almost a 20 lap little shootout deal at the end on worn out tires. So um, uh, Donnie Madison, his his stuff was really good. I mean, quite honestly, um, racing without a spotter is pretty tough in a deal like that when you're leading, you just don't know how hard to push. But um, his car is so loud. I mean, I feel like I could almost hear him there the whole race, <laughs> like pressuring me. <laughs> um, so it was like running for all I could the whole the whole 50. Um but that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoy racing with Donnie. He's uh, he's tough competition, and um, you know he races you races you pretty hard. But he uh, he's he's respectful about it, so that's a that's a good time. Now it looks like here. Now I wasn't able to make it, but just from what I've been able to see and hear, uh, like like you said, Madison was chasing you down, and and you kind of did you make a, a conscious adjustment on that last restart to try to take away? I mean, you don't have a spotter, so you don't necessarily know how he's tracking you down, but. Um, to take away the line that he was running? Did you have any idea he was coming on the top or not? 
Well, no, I mean, not necessarily, but yeah, we had like, gosh, it seemed like it was like the modified Enduro. I mean, we had like probably four or five restarts there after the, that engine had broke. And, um, you know, I kept picking the bottom cause that's really the preferred line off of four. Um, but when you get down into one and two, like you really want to be up top. So, you know, it's like a lose, lose situation, depending on the lane you, you pick. And, um, you know, I, I chose the bottom a couple times in a row and, um, felt like I had given Donnie, you know, a pretty good idea on what I had down there. So I just switched it up for the sake of, you know, throwing him for a curve as much as anything. Now let's go to Berlin. And, and I was, I, I was kind of looking through what happened down at Kalamazoo and, and how everything went down at Berlin. Um, you know, we had Walter Brinsky Jr. on last year. And if you don't have, to, if you don't have, to, if you can avoid him anywhere you can this year in 2022, uh, you probably would like that, wouldn't you? He's running pretty good early in 2022. Yeah, Walt's so fast, man. I mean, anywhere they go, those guys are just like on kill every night, which is pretty awesome. I mean, uh, between his crew and I think Eddie's helping them out, getting that thing set up and dialed in. They, they've got a really fast race car. So, um, you know, Walt and I got a good chance to talk a little bit Saturday just throughout the day. And I mean, quite honestly, like as long as we've been modified races, I don't know that I've ever had to race around Walt. Like, I can't think of any occasion where him and I have actually raced with each other, which is kind of crazy. I mean, you know, he's always run good, and I feel like we've always been pretty good as well. But, um, you know, yeah, like if we we don't have to race against him, it's probably to our benefit, but we definitely want to. I mean, he's he's uh, a lot of fun to race against. He he don't you know wear nobody out that I see. He definitely races with, uh, with respect Saturday. So, looking forward to the next shot at it. Talk about that too, because that came down to a late race uh, move for you as well to not only. Uh, hold him off, but chase him down and get around him as well. Break it, break it down for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I'm trying to think we probably had like lap 27. I think we'd restarted like, you know, right about halfway apart. Um, we restarted third behind him and Bergaker, I believe. And Bergaker ended up breaking. So it left kind of just Walt and I uh, to race amongst ourselves. And he was really good on top. And I mean, we had to see paint the yellow line to, to keep pace. And so it was really cool. I mean, honestly, like two completely different grooves, we were really spread out, but racing hard against one another. Um, his stuff was definitely better on the short run, but, um, you know, as the race kind of went on, I feel like, I feel like we definitely had a little bit of an advantage at Berlin from, you know, all of my super experience over there in the last year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, he was racing really hard, like <laughs> really, really hard. And I mean, you know, I know, I know better than that from, you know, the laps we've got, it's, it's such a tire conservation game over there. Um, and with like, you know, 15 to go, I mean, it was just kind of slowly reeling them in, slowly reeling them in and, and staying calm about it. Um, we were catching a lapper, you know, I mean, we were door to door for about two or three laps and you're catching a lapper and he, he kind of like, you know, seemed like he was running right in the middle of the racetrack, which was fine for what Walt and I were doing. Cause I was right against the apron and he was way up, you know, in the third groove. So, you know, should have worked out pretty good. And we drove down into one and, um, I actually, that was the first lap of the race I had led, um, fortunately, because I drove down into one and um, we split him and I wound up having to go like just about down below the apron and, oh, you boy. know, kicked a bunch of dirt up off the left side tires. It, it looked a lot more like crazy outside of the car than in the car. I mean, like I knew I was pretty low on the track, but um, it didn't seem as wild as it looked from all the replays. <laughs> but yeah, so I wound up, you know, having the lead after that deal and they threw the caution for debris um, and you know, I kind of lucked out. Like I said, that was literally the first lap of the race I had led, and it, and it gave me the 
you know, kind of the point on the restart, and we checked out after that. Do you think if the so, caution doesn't come out, uh, you still win this race? I mean, uh, did the tire conservation, as you talked about, do you think Walt had burned his stuff up enough that you end up still winning this race? I think it would have been really fun if we hadn't. Um, I think it would have been a pretty tough race. Um, you know, the the lapper, when I went underneath him, I think it scared him a little bit or startled him, and he went up and just bumped the left quarter of Walt, so it like down the back stretch, him and I were still door to door, you know, he didn't have any big run on me. So, I mean, considering the little bit I had reeled him in throughout that whole run, I, I think I probably still could have got the deal done. Um, but it, it would have been a lot more intense the last, you know, eight or nine laps is left there. Is that when the tire game really comes into play with these cars is on restarts? I mean, are they the type of car once you get rolling, everybody evens out, but being able to get a good launch is, is pretty important? Or or where do you see the tire wear become a big thing with these modifieds? Long run. I mean, I think I think when they cool off, they give you a lap or two, um, you know, regardless of how bad you beat them up beforehand. Um, but in the long haul, I mean, if you're, if you're 20, 30 laps into a run, you, you burn stuff up through our you are in for a pretty long ride. It's it's pretty miserable after that. So, um, and I think that's why we were reeling them in like we were. Um, I just that restart there. I just got a really good launch on the bottom. I mean Berlin, like when you can run across the the apron like that, really nice and straight, coming to the start finish line, like I was able to on the restart. It you know it provides a really good launch, and I had the preferred line down into one, so it all worked out in my favor as far as that goes. Blake, I I didn't add. Just to let everybody know, I did not pre-ask this question, so I don't even know the answer. So we're gonna we're gonna tiptoe into it. Um, coming up this weekend, uh, an event that means a little bit and a track that means something to you now. Um, Midwest Modified Tours making their way back to Toledo Speedway for the first time in in quite a while. Um, is that on your schedule? It is. Yeah, we're definitely planning on being there. I'm actually working on the modified tonight, trying to get it changed over for it. So barring any sort of, you know, I guess restraint from us making it, we'll be there for sure. So plan is to be at Berlin Saturday night with Super um, and then Sunday with the Modified at Toledo. Talk to me about the Modified at Toledo because it is a whole different animal than running at Birch Run or at Berlin. Um, mm -hmm. you, you guys get those things flying there at Toledo. Yeah, it's, it's about the only place we go that has the appropriate grip level for the horsepower that most of these cars have. So um, it's definitely hammered down fast for us. Um, I've raced there twice, once in the day, once in the night. Um, and at night, it's it's really fun. It's really fast. In the day, it's still pretty slick. You know, the sun's out, track is hot and greasy. Um, but it looks like Sunday is going to be like low 60s. So although the sun may be out, I think the track's going to be pretty gripped up and fast. Um, you know, the, the, about the only concern is, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that haven't had experience on a place that fast. So you get like one quick 20 or 30 minute practice session, maybe two. I haven't looked at the schedule super close yet, but um, so, you know, it takes some guys a little bit of time to get up to speed there, but they'll figure it out. I mean, for the most part, the modified community is really uh, a smart group of guys. So um, it's going to be fun. I'm hoping, um, you know, I know Walt's going to be down there, so he'll be, he'll be really fast. I know Brian Nestor is trying to get his stuff back together. So um, you know, if, if we can get a group of guys like that down there, I'm sure it'll be a pretty awesome show. And 50 laps at Toledo, that track can be like a cheese grater to do if it, you know, as well. So 50 laps at Toledo is not a short race. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it it's a lot of time. You're going to have to conserve some tires down there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, you know, these cars with all the horsepower they've got, I mean, Toledo, like 
it's definitely a place that, that lends its hand to that. But um, coming up off a of four, the place flattens right out. Um, so it's super easy to, to ring the tires up off there. And if guys aren't conscious about that yet, I mean, they'll, they'll have their stuff burnt up in 20, 25 laps, and they'll be heading backwards. Some of these tracks we're talking about, Toledo, of course, uh, Berlin, as you mentioned, you're going to go back with the Super. I'm not sure about Birch Run, uh, but some of these places you're going with this modified, you have success or you have laps, like you mentioned in Berlin, uh, in the super, mod- or super Late Model. Does any of that, I mean, correlate? You mentioned tire wear and knowing that Berlin's going to eat up tires. I mean, what, what sort of things can you take from the super late model and, and, and move over to modifieds and vice versa? I mean, anything that you can uh, look at the notebooks and compare on? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The notebooks are, are pretty different um, just because the cars uh, mechanically are so different. Sure. But drive, you know, as a driver, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that can translate for it. I mean, um, you know, bad habits are bad habits regardless of the car, in my opinion. Um, I think the modified teaches you a lot about you know, control with your, your right foot and keeping the retires underneath it. Um, but the late models are, are an entirely different beast and it's really easy to burn up the entire car. Um, you know, brakes, front tires, rear tires, the whole, whole package. So, um, you know, like you said, Toledo, Berlin, Bertrand, all these places, I mean, almost everywhere in the Midwest, it's pretty easy to burn yourself off of it in a hurry. Um, so, you know, it's all about conserve, 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 and, you know, take what the race will give you for the first three quarters of it and be ready for the last quarter. I bet you would have. I, I bet you would have had, rather had Jeff uh, pave that four tenths mile instead of that that third mile up at Birch Run, huh? Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that place would be almost scary fast if that was the case. <laughs> um, you know, the the four tenths mile there, I think, is awesome. It's um, you know, it's relatively smooth. It's got a you know a couple little spots that have some character in it, but um, when it takes rubber, you know, like it didn't get the chance to this weekend. It was too green, but. Um, when it takes rubber, it really widens out. And I think the fact that they paved the pits will lend to that a little bit as well. Cause you know, in years past, you know, you'd get a field of 20 cars roll up on the track from the dirt pits and they drag all the dirt out and it would take, you know, half to three quarters of the race to really widen the track back out. So without that happening now, I think, I think the place is going to get even more racy than it is now. Um, and it's already a place that's, you know, got two really good grooves, if not three, when it widens out. Blake, I know I know you're a busy guy with everything you got going, but uh, talk to me. You know, I, I I did a little bit of research today, and I, I guess there's a guy that's pretty important to you that helps keeps these race cars on the racetrack and really busts his tail all week long, so you can have fun on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, man. My dad, he's actually he's changing the belt on the modified right now. He's he works just crazy hours. He's he's retired. You put that in air quotes, but, um, you know, he, he runs his, his portable welding business and he's busier now with that than he ever was when he was working. So, um, you know, he puts in as many hours in the garage with me as he can. And, you know, him and I, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, say we're, we're probably too much alike. We butt heads just cause we both want it right. Um, and sometimes our opinion on rights a little different, but, um, that's okay. We, we have fun with that together and, you know, that's kind of why we do it. I mean, you know, we certainly ain't getting rich off this deal. So, um, you got to have fun with it while you're doing it. So, um, you know, between him and all of our sponsors and we have a lot of really good help that goes with us to the track and it wouldn't be possible without them. I mean, you know, that's definitely one big difference between the late model and the modified, um, you know, the modified quite honestly, him and I, and probably one other good guy could, you know, run the, the car without, you know, feeling like we're lacking any help in the pits throughout a weekend, but the late model takes, a crew of guys at, you know, on Saturday night at Berlin that, that know what they're doing, you know, to make it, to make it right. So we have a really good group. Um, my cousin Nolan's been traveling with us and 
helping us in the shop and he's a he's a great little mechanic and he's learned really quick all this stuff uh the DeGarmo brothers they work with us whether it's in the shop during the week or at the racetrack on the weekends and you know they're just they're racers man they they get all of it they love all of it um so you can't ask for better help there and you know we've got we've got a lot of guys that you know support us behind the scenes too that you know just it takes a village to to run you know to run any of this it's it's hard but you know to to be successful and keep up and try to learn and, and get better over the years. I mean, it's just, it's almost a full-time job, man. I, I work, you know, I work all day during the day. And when I get home, I just, I come out in the garage and I work until I, I go to bed. That's, that's what it takes. So I don't know how anybody else could, could do it any other way. And, you know, if they can, if they can put less hours in, in the shop and run just as well, good for them. I don't know how they do it, but um, I'd love to, I'd love to learn off of them. Blake, I know uh, we're almost out of time here with you. I got a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, we haven't talked to you since uh, you know your win at the Glass City. A couple of things happened uh, with the Super Late Model uh, late last year, and, and I kind of want to lead that into what your plans are this year. You went for a big road trip in October with that car down to Nashville, and uh, you showed some pretty good speed. Talk about your experience there, because uh, that was was that your first time taking the Super to Nashville? <clears throat> yeah, it was my first time ever seeing Nashville. So um, it was it was a trip, man. I mean, we had a lot of fun with it. It was, um, I think we, we maybe were in a little bit over our heads and it wasn't that, you know, I, I'm, I'm plenty confident that like, you know, we've got capable equipment and that I, you know, I think I can go down there and run with the best of them. But, um, you know, we wound up getting rained on all day. I guess it would have been Friday. Friday and Saturday day. we dealt with rain for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Yeah. So we got like two sessions on the track you know, on Friday, which would have been the, like the normal practice day, but the, the track was weeping really bad out of four and down into one. So, you know, it's like three quarter right. speed tiptoeing around the place, trying to figure out like down numbers and gear and stuff yeah, like we that. Did, we did give you some laps, but they weren't, they were pretty meaningless, weren't they? Did they help at all? Tell, yeah. t- tell me, tell me, because I'm thinking about that when I'm upstairs looking at you guys, just, you know, slip sliding all over the place. I'm like, what are they learning right now? Anything? Well, I mean, for us, it was a little bit helpful because, you know, we just had no notes on the place at the time. So, you know, and that's the only reason we were out there. I mean, it was it was risky on the on the equipment, stuff like that. It, you know, on a normal weekend, we certainly wouldn't have, have been out there. But, you know, we needed that we needed the track time desperately. Um, so, you know, we we uh, were pretty happy with the car, even though, you know, the track conditions weren't great and stuff like that. And then we actually wound up making some mistakes um just as a group on the car saturday we changed all sorts of stuff because we had too much time to think about it It, we uh we we bit it i guess or (laughs) however you want to describe it we uh we owned it and and really struggled because of it sunday but you know the race was just you know it was a big learning curve for us we've never tried anything that you know that long or on that big of racetrack and um we actually had a left side spoiler yeah uh, i was gonna ask you about this car and yeah i mean it was just like you know, we didn't know, you know, we I didn't know any better. It was, it was riveted on there with steel rivets. And I mean, the, the arrow loads down there were enough to rip those clean out of the back of the car. And so I couldn't believe how much, like that. I couldn't believe how much that upset your car too. Cause you were running, uh, oh, yeah. if I don't, if I remember correctly, you were running inside the top 10 and, uh, then that left rear spoiler got ripped off and man, you had your hands full. You were out to lunch after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean the whole race, like, you know, I certainly don't want to make excuses for like the run or anything, but man, it was like, it really felt like if anything could go wrong, it did. We had a, we had a right retire going down right from the front of the race and we pitted at lap 40 because we just, something was like obviously wrong with the car and we found that. So we switched it and it put us a little bit behind the eight ball. 
And when we finally got back on the same pit schedule as everybody else around like lap 100, we made some pretty drastic changes and the car really came to life and we charged forward. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, when the spoiler fell down, I mean, it was like a, a switch flipped and we just started going backwards. And I was like screaming over the radio, what the heck is wrong with this thing? I mean, just, it was unlike anything I'd ever felt. And that's when, you know, it was like a lap later, the spotter said spoiler down and we just got to ride. Right. Well, we were just waiting for a caution, waiting for a caution. And I mean, by the time a caution came out, we were five laps or three laps down type of thing. And, you know, probably should have parked it there, but we decided, you know, to put tires on it. Uh, we, you know, and it's only a two tire deal each time you stop. So we put rights on it and went back out and got the spoiler back up, but the left rear tire was still cooked. I mean, it was just, it was almost just bad. So, you know, it was, it was a real domino effect at that point. And, you know, we learned from it, you know, we definitely uh, put together a car that's better suited for big arrow loads like that this year. And, you know, I guess all we can hope for is a little better luck if we choose to try it again this year. Like talk about, you said you made the comment, um, you know, in over your head, talk about the competition when you had, you know, you head down <clears throat> South to a race and you're, you know, you're not just pulling, you know, cars that you see running CRA, you're pulling Southern super series cars uh, compared to the super late models that maybe, you'll see up, up around here at events. Talk about the difference in the competition. It's just tough, man. I mean, you got, you know, if you look at the, the Midwest competition in super late model racing, I mean, some of the best are around here, you know, you got Crump and Hosevar and, and the camp bells and Senecas and, you know, I mean, they're really, really good, fast race cars, but you know, just figure instead of having, you know, five or six guys that you can say like, you know, these are, these are big swingers. You got 20 or 25 of them that show up and, and, it's not that they're any faster than, than the guys up here are. It's just, there's so many more of them that are just as good. It really, you know, it, we dealt the guys that aren't ready for it. And I mean, that was us that weekend. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a huge operation when you get down there. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that make a living off of, off of stuff like that. And they put together really nice equipment. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the Wilson teams and, um, you know, a lot of the Hanky cars and campy cars and stuff like that. I mean, you know, those are guys that, that have done this for a long time and are extremely smart at what they do and put together beautiful cars and um, have the best drivers behind the wheels. So, I mean, those are the guys we want to go race against. And, and you know, I'm, I'm certain we can race wheel-to-wheel -wheel with them, but um, it's going to take us some time to, to learn and, and get up to that level, I think. So a win on Friday night in your equipment, a win on Saturday night in your equipment. You elect not to return on Sunday, but does it kind of feel like you got the weekend sweep? Your buddy Kyle Crump goes to victory lane, uh, a guy that you have spotted for and picked up a Red Bud championship with. Uh, do you count that as a win in your column too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all we're all super tight and follow each other's racing as closely as we can. So, I mean, to see him win on Sunday was really cool. We're you know, we're really tight with the whole Crosstown team. They're, they're an awesome group of people. And, um, you know, it seems like a lot of the times when, when bad luck strikes, it hits them. I mean, they, you know, they had a really good outlaw run going at Kalamazoo and had a right retire go flat. You know, it kind of seems to be the story of their outlaw stuff. They're always fast. And, um, they've had a really good template program since they started with it last year. So to see them go out there and, and win with it, it's, um, pretty awesome. They're, they're, uh, as deserving of that as anybody, they, they work really hard at it. So, I wish we could have been up there uh, Sunday ourselves, but we just we had some stuff that needed to be addressed after Saturday and chose to set it out and honestly caught some good sleep. We uh, we got home <laughs> Saturday night at like 10:30. Berlin Berlin got out relatively early, which was nice, and caught some good sleep and got to work on the car yesterday instead. So, so Zach, hey Zach, I'm not a mathematician, mathematician, and I don't need a, a calculator for this one, but I'm gonna 
I think the average finish between Blake Rowe and Kyle Crump this weekend was one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a pretty good. It was a pretty good weekend for the group, man. That's for sure. Blake, do you have any? Uh, I mean, so I guess last question: Do you trade in the helmet for the headset at all this year? I mean, are you going to be uh, in anybody's ear, or or I, I know you you like to do that in certain opportunities. Yeah, I do like the spot. I'm certainly um, no pro at it, but I, I think it works really well when Kyle and I work together just because, you know, we talk all the time. I, I think we're very similar as race car drivers. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to wind up spotting for him again at the Red Bud. Um, and if they need any help, you know, on weekends that I'm off, I'll, I'll probably be with them. So we'll see. My schedule's pretty busy this summer myself between work and racing, but um, I'm certainly going to try to be at the racetrack every weekend I can, whether it's with um, you know, with my gear bag or with, uh, with the headset. Instead, so. Yeah. I'm not sure how you can find time to do anything else except for race with two divisions of race cars that are pretty wicked fast too, man. So, uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. All right. That's Should Blake Rowe. We, uh, picked up a couple of big wins this weekend. Look for him in the super late model at Berlin on Saturday and then heading down to Toledo with the modified on Sunday. Blake, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for having me. Well, as always, our thanks to uh, Greg Dahlman. Thanks to Gary Lindahl. Thanks to Blake Rowe for uh, joining us tonight, Rich. What a show. What a week of racing. What a weekend that we had. Um, really, again, want to say thanks to you for covering covering my rear end, as they say. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back in the saddle again soon. So I, I really want to say thank you for your help. Uh, I felt bad for you when we were together Friday. When I, when I saw you, I said, nah, ain't no way this guy's going to make it the whole weekend. But I... I gave you a shot at it, but it, yeah. and I, I, I thought to myself, I knew I was pretty confident when I rolled out of I ninety six at one thirty in the morning <laughs> that I was going to be busy on Saturday or Sunday. So uh, it's all right. I'm glad you're getting better. Uh, get rid of that scratchy voice, and I, I think know. we'll be all right. I kind of I feel like I'm making a run at Ralph Shaheen here a little bit. I, I kind of want to try to call some motocross or something. <laughs> you're ready for it right now let me tell you hey let's talk about the upcoming calendar man this is uh technically an off weekend for me i'm not scheduled to be behind the microphone but with this lineup of racing rich i'm gonna have to find somewhere to li- to land yeah you're gonna have to go somewhere uh let's kick off with friday zach uh and i'm gonna get some rest now between now and thursday or friday i think never usually do that during the week but uh kalamazoo speedway friday outlaw super late models template late models Outlaw front-wheel drive, Zoo Stocks, uh, regular show for Kalamazoo, but the Outlaws are back. Gates open at 3.30, racing at 7.30. And then Corganol Speedway, NorthsideTowing.net, Outlaws, race number three, 50 laps. The Modified Challenge Series will also go 50 laps of Corganol. Pure Stock and the Bandos will also be in action. Gates open at 5 o'clock at Corganol Speedway, racing at 7 p.m. And then this is pretty cool. Check out what happens Friday at I-96 Speedway. It's race number one of the I-96 Butler Motor Speedway Street Stock Challenge. Now you ask yourself, how how come it's taken so long for these two tracks to come together on a rules package? And how come it's taken so long? Listen, you remember who dominated street stocks last year at I-96 Speedway? Some guy by the name of Tim Wilbur. You may also remember Butler Motor Speedway has a new owner, some guy by the name of Tim Wilbur. Well, now they're working together. I-96 Butler Street Stock Challenge, night number one at I-96 this Friday. They'll also have Super Late Models, IMC Modifieds, Cyber Stocks, and Mini Wedges. Green Flag Flies at 8 o'clock. And then also on Friday, 
How about Mount Pleasant Speedway getting underway? They'll have the Great Lakes Lightning Sprints in action alongside B-Mods, Prop Stocks, um, and, of course, four cylinders, mini wedges, and other divisions in action as well. Green flag set to fly at 7.15 at Mount Pleasant. Then we skip to Saturday. Butler Motor Speedway, of course, I-96, Butler Street Stock Challenge, 750 big ones to the winner of that one. Of course, Butler Motor Speedway, the home of the open sprint cars, UMP Modifieds, and front-wheel drives. Green flag at 7.30. And shout-out to our friends up north, Merritt Speedway, getting set to open the gates for the first time in 2022. They'll have UMP late models and modifieds, pro stocks, uh, of course, four- and six-cylinders as well, factory stocks, mini wedges, gates at 5, green flag at 7 o'clock. And then also on Saturday, uh, Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. They canceled early on Saturday with the forecast of the rain. They got a big five-in-one show, late model sportsmen, a modified street stocks, pork stocks, and mini wedges, all at Springport, Mid Michigan, on Saturday. Gates open at 3 p.m. or gates are at 3 p.m. Racing at 7 p.m. And then, on if you haven't had enough racing, come on down to Toledo Speedway on Sunday. The Midwest Modifieds Tour will be in action uh, for the first time in several years. 50 laps around the Toledo Ultra Fast Toledo Speedway for the Midwest Modifieds. Late model sportsmen on the half mile, factory stocks and figure eights also in action. It's also Kids Day at Toledo. 12 and under get in free and also get a free hot dog. Gates open at noon. We'll have an on-track autograph session at 1.15. And the first green flag on Sunday afternoon at Toledo flies at 2 p.m. This sounds like it's going to be a good one, Rich. Uh, might have to matriculate on down there to see what's going on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, and and it, it's unfortunate, you know, the modifiers haven't been there in a while. But the last time, they are so fast there, Zach, and they put on a great show. So I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Horsepower Happenings. Want to say thanks so much once again to Greg and Gary and Blake for being on the show. Again, Rich, my cap's off to you for your help this weekend and, of course, for everything you do for this show as well. Thank you so much. So finally, for Rich France and Scott Menler, who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in. Get your backsides, trackside, and we'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.